Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Philippians as we continue our little journey through uh, this book. And we've already uh, have seen as uh, Paul has been writing to the church at Philippi. Uh, He's writing them and he's encouraging them, if you will. And he's encouraging them... Uh, and a couple of weeks ago we looked at this, that uh, he's helped them to remember some things. When we're going through circumstances, difficult circumstances, uh, he says, here's some things you need to remember that's going to help you work through those. And, and now he builds upon that uh, as we continue in through the letter. We also see uh, last week where we uh, worked it out. Remember about working out? Some, some of you... Uh, Got tired over that, just just to hearing about working out. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, well, I'm with you there, sister, because uh, I've been trying to do a little bit of that, and the key phrase there is a little bit, okay? Uh, but uh, just that little bit, but but that's what it takes. We, we, uh, we got to work out. Now, understand uh, the context of what we were talking about is uh, before you can work it out, something's got to be worked in, Right? And so as we're working out, now we come, we're in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be picking up in verse number 14, going through verse number 18. Now we're going to see that as we're working out our salvation, we are to be shining like lights. And how do we do that? He's going to tell us how to do that. Uh, Here, what we're needing to understand before we read the passage is that uh, the problem is not understanding what we need to do. We know what to do. The problem is doing what we understand, right? And so here Paul is encouraging uh, the church here, and also it's a word for us uh, tonight as well, is we're to be letting our light shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, you were in Philippians uh, in chapter 2. We're picking up in verse number 14. This is what the Bible says. It says, Do all things... Without murmurings and disputings. Now, first of all, in verse number 14, we're going to see as we're working out our salvation. And if we're going to shine for the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to do something about our behavior. Okay? And then he picks up in verse number 15. He says, here's the reason why you need to do or what you're needing to be doing is that Ye uh, may be. Now, uh, here, that word may be is they have not yet arrived. That speaks to us. None of us have arrived. We're all growing in our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And so he says that ye may be. He says, because you are becoming, if you will, you're becoming a brighter light for the Lord Jesus Christ, so that you may be blameless and you will be harmless and the the sons of God uh, without rebuke, which you could use that word faultless, So he says, here's what happens when you're working out your salvation is you're walking this journey of life if you're, uh, that you're uh, trying to be a light for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, not only do you need to have uh, something uh, in store and, and something to help you with your behavior, but also there's a becoming. What are you becoming? You're becoming harmless. You're becoming blameless. You're becoming faultless. And then he goes on. He says, uh, that, n- notice where you're doing this though. He says, you're doing it in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. 
See, the, pa- Paul understood that uh, as he's encouraging the church at Philippi, he says, now, you're doing this, but I've just got uh, news for you. It's not going to be an easy road. Okay? It, it's not going to be where everybody's going to fall in love with you and say, well, bless your heart. Thank you. You're so sweet. Thank you for your witness to me. Thank you for telling me about Jesus. The Bible says as we're walking, uh, and then a little later on, we're going to see that we're running this race of faith. We see that we're doing it with, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Okay? Now, in verse number 16, he says, And holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither have labored in vain. And so here, Paul is given an analogy. He says, now, as we're walking, as we're, uh, as we're working out our salvation, if you will, we're to be shining lights, and we're doing it in a dark world. He says, I'm, here's what, when I, when I cross the finish line, I want to be able to say, thank you, Jesus. I want to be able to rejoice, because I look back over the race that I ran, And I looked and I said, you know what? Thank you, Lord. I was able to finish. Now, notice this. He finished strong. And that's true for every one of us or should be in this room tonight. Is that we want to finish this course that's been laid out before us. We want to finish strong. And so, in verse 17, he says, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and the service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Paul was a southerner. Some of you called it. Some of you are like, what is it all, man? You all. Okay. <laughs> and verse number 18, he says, For the... And, and, and so, so for, the, for the same cause, also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Here we're seeing, Paul is saying, we got a race, we got a course. And as we're going through this race or this course of life that God has laid before us, He's wanting us to be shining lights. He wants us to do it with rejoicing. Remember, who we're doing it, we're doing it in a crooked, perverse nation. That's exactly where we're at today. I just saw not too terribly long ago uh, a pastor, I can't remember his name, a local pastor, but he made some comments about Planned Parenthood and, and all of that, and he'd been getting all kinds of mail. And uh, he said uh, uh, Planned Parenthood has uh, thanked him uh, because he, of course, was opposed to uh, killing babies. And uh, by the way, he's not the only one that believes uh, that uh, we should not kill babies. But uh, we live in a nation that says it's okay. Okay, that's, that's crooked. That's perverse. That's perverted. I'm telling you, we live in a crooked and perverted and a deplorable nation. And here's what happens if we're not careful. 
We'll say, well, we're, what's the use of keeping on? I mean, this thing's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And we understand as we're living in the latter days, which we are, it is going to get worse. But that does not mean that we just sit on our hands and retreat and said, okay, just let the, uh, just let the abortion crowd, just let the wicked and the crooked go ahead and take it over. That's not what he's saying. Here Paul reminds us that we are to be shining lights in a sea of darkness. And so here, and just very briefly, we're going to see three things. First of all, as I've alluded to already, in verse number 14, he says that we are to be doing some things. But I want you to see, now, if you look at the Greek, and being the Greek scholar that I am, I don't know why y'all think that's funny. I am no Greek scholar. I'm not a scholar, period. But I, I did look it up, okay? I didn't Google, I looked it up. And, and the, the word usage here in the English is not translating exactly like the Greek. But in the Greek, that word all uh, should be at the very beginning of the sentence. So here's what it should read. All that you're doing. Now that word do is in present tense, which means it's a continual action. So the, the reading, if you're reading from the Greek, would be all that you're doing... Do it like this. Okay? So when you put the word all in front of the sentence, that means all means everything that follows after all. Are, are y'all catching this? And so he says, here's what you're to do these things. What things? The things that he's talked about. Working out your salvation. Uh, being a shining light. He says, you're supposed to be doing these things without... The first word he uses is the word murmuring. It's a word that, that translates complain. He says, don't do it complaining. Now, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 10 and 11, paraphrasing here, that uh, verse talks about uh, the wilderness experience and Moses. And we all know the story there. Moses is leading them out of Egypt. They're, be, they're out of uh, bondage uh, and they're getting into the wilderness and they start murmuring, the Bible says. They start complaining. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 10 through 11, it says this. It says, don't complain like some. Why? Because they were destroyed by the destroyer. Watch this. If you are constantly complaining, eventually it will destroy you. Now, watch it. So it says murmuring. He says, and that word murmuring, also we can get the word whispering. Okay, that's, that's how people complain. They, they start off in saying, And then that leads to gossip. I'm telling you the truth here. And so here's what we're saying. Paul is saying the things that you're supposed to be doing, don't be complaining about them because what it does is creates an undercurrent, if you will. Now, I lived and grew up in Hendersonville uh, in my mama's backyard. You can see Ohikri Dam. This is some years ago, uh, more than I want to think about. Uh, but I remember there was someone fishing down below the dam. If you've ever uh, fished below the dam, you can see there's a pretty good current that runs. And so here, uh, what happened, a man fell out of his boat. Of course, he drowned. 
the undercurrent took him and they found this man about a mile or two downstream. Now, I'm using this illustration to show you about murmuring and complaining. See, if we're murmuring and we're complaining and we're whispering, it creates an undercurrent, but eventually it will surface. You with me? It, It will surface. And what happens is when it surfaces, those whispers now turn into open debate and arguing. Here, and and this this verse, uh, that's exactly what he's talking about here. He says, apparently, uh, there could have been a little bit of trouble there in the church. There were some that were complaining. They were creating an undercurrent, if you will. And and like uh, my illustration of the dam, if you go down below the dam, especially if they open the gates... Uh, you'll see that water starts to churn and boil, if you will. You know, the alarm goes off, so it tells you, hey, the gate's fixing open. So I've been down there when that happens, and and I was thinking about that. I I thought about this text here. And so here's what happens is that we have an undercurrent. It's a constant flow of murmuring, complaining, gossiping. No, I don't know why we're doing that, and all that kind of stuff. And eventually, the floodgates will open, and now it will boil up. And now not only do you have a constant, constant flow but now you have a raging flow and many churches have been destroyed just like 1 Corinthians 10 10 through 11 talks about many churches have been destroyed because that undercurrent finally surfaced so he says we are to do what we're doing without murmuring and without debate without arguing because all that does is like Satan gets in and like when they open the gates at the dam, he stirs the waters up. He stirs the waters up. And he like and he sits back and he says, Yeah, if I can just if I can just keep this thing going. And so here, if we're going to be shining lights, we need to check our behavior. But then we go on and he says, not only about our behavior, but I want you to know about what we're becoming. As he goes on, he talks about, he says, we are to be blameless, harmless, and faultless. What is he talking about here? Now, blameless, understand, doesn't mean that we become perfect. That's not what he's talking about here. It's talking about an attitude, if you will. Here's the attitude. Lord Jesus, I want to serve you. With all of my heart. I don't want to be a stumbling block to anybody I come in contact with. I want my light to be shining for you. And then when we stumble along the way, which we will stumble along the way, we need to immediately see that and go ahead and confess that and go ahead and put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. Because we're living in a dark world that needs light. You cannot be a light if you've let sin dim your light. Okay, so he said blameless, harmless. That word harmless means pure motives. Here's what, I, I, I want to do what I'm doing for the Lord Jesus Christ with pure motives. I don't have an agenda I'm trying to back. I, I'm not trying to puff myself up. I'm not trying to work myself into a position. I'm not trying to, uh, to, to let everybody know how, how wonderful I am. It's a pure motive. The reason why I'm doing what I'm doing 
is because I love Jesus Christ and that's the only reason. And I want to bring glory and honor into His name. And I want my light to be shining bright for Him. But then there's a word faultless. Now, notice as he continues on with the text here, he talks about running. Now, we see that Paul talks about that in in Hebrews where he talks about we run the race. And he says, he says to put every weight aside. Now, understand the, the runner mentality here. Runners are usually skinny people. Usually, I'm, I'm trying to jog a little bit, and it's a really a, a really a difficult sight to behold. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, I'm running a little bit, and then I take a break, but my 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 stomach is still going, you know. And uh, but anyway, that's you, you've already got you've already been traumatized, all right, with that mental picture, hadn't you? And so, and, but why is that? Because they've learned if they're going to be successful at running the course, they got to drop it off. They need to be as light as they, they don't need to be carrying no more extra than they already are carrying. That speaks true of us in our spiritual running. That we need to get away and we need to lay aside every week, every sin that so easily beset us. We need to find ourselves in, the, in this world that's lost and dying and going to hell. Needs to find us faultless. Not that we're picture, picture perfect. I'm not saying that at all. But they're seeing that our lights are shining. And the reason why our lights are shining because we understand if we're going to run this race and if we're going to be the lights that the Lord Jesus has called us to be, there's just some things we've got to get rid of. Some of us need to get rid of some stuff. Some of us are caring way more than we need to around. And it could be, it could be guilt. Could be shame. We can go on through the list. And, 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 and here's what say, Satan gets in as he's churning those waters up and he reminds you of your past. He says, what are you doing teaching that Sunday school class? Boy, if that class understood what you did... Y'all, 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 some of y'all have dealt with that, haven't you? Every one of us. One of the things that I learned doing a, a drug uh, counseling there uh, in Alabama when I was in drug and alcohol counseling, uh, that especially with my adult uh, uh, ladies, they, uh, they had this guilt. And, and of course that guilt, they try to cover it up with medication. They were self-medicating themselves. See, the problem was not their, the drug usage. Their problem was that they had a root problem called sin. And because of that sin, Satan jumps into the mix and stirs it up. And even though they understood that they confessed that sin and they can be forgiven of that sin, they were confused about it. So Satan got in their minds and started telling them, you can't be forgiven of that. You, you understand. And, and 90% of those ladies that as we're talking with them, they're saying, why did you, how did you start on your drug usage? And they'll say, I was trying to, I was trying to, uh, to get some I was trying to get some peace. I, I was trying to get some contentment. And I, I looked in every way and I thought, well, if I just go ahead and, and, and drink myself uh, to a stupor or if I just go ahead and take a couple hits of this, that, that would take care of it. And I don't have to think about what I've done in the past. But the problem is, the problem never went away. 
Why? Because they didn't go to the root. They've got to cut it off at the root. And they understand, and many of them did. But 90%, and I'm thinking about the baby bottle campaign and, and the pregnancy center that does awesome work there and all that. 90% of those female clients that I had, you know what the guilt was? They had abortion when they were 15, 16 years old. And they couldn't get over it. Couldn't get over it. Because Satan tells them, you kill that baby. You kill that baby. And they needed to understand that he can forgive all sin. And they could cover it. And, and if they would just receive the wonderful, precious grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the blood could wash that sin away. And by the way, if you've confessed your sin and you've been forgiven of your sin, it's not God reminding you of that sin. It's Satan. And so here, as we're blind and flawless, we're running this race that we're wanting our lights to shine, then we have to understand that we have to get rid of some stuff in our life. Guilt, shame, whatever the case may be. It could be bitterness. You, somebody, somebody missed you over 10 years ago and you still hadn't gotten over it. Oh, I've gotten over it. But why do you keep bringing it up? I have somebody I had just a conversation with not too terribly long ago. And they said, they told me what happened, how they got hurt. And, and, and then they were justifiable. I, I couldn't understand when their feelings got hurt. I couldn't understand all that. And I said, well, have you asked the Lord Jesus to forgive you? And they said, why do I need to ask the Lord Jesus to forgive me? I didn't do anything wrong. It was them that did something wrong. I said, but you probably had something to play in that. Why don't you just go ahead and ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you for that sin? So, well, what if they, what if they don't? receive my forgiveness and said it's on them then you've done what you're supposed to and see that bitterness though and so they talk well I've forgiven them and for the next 15 minutes they're rehashing that mess I said you haven't forgiven because if you've forgiven why is it still working you up even today and so what that do is, is doing, it is hindering you. It's dimming your light to shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. And Satan knows that. He wants your lights to be dim. And so we go and we see he, he talks about being blameless and being blameless. And then he talks about how we're doing it. He says that we are to do it in a wicked and perverse generation. As I was thinking about that, I was reminded of a, a passage, and we're going to look at it in just a, a few moments. But uh, the passage uh, that we're going to allude to is there in First Peter. But before we can get there, we understand that he says that you might be, that you might be, that you are becoming. What are you becoming? You're becoming blameless, faultless. Uh, you're becoming a, 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 a clean vessel, if you will, uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ can use you. But then we also go on to see that he talks about not only running this race, he also references that you're doing it in a wicked and perverse generation. But later on, he goes and talks about another type of generation, and that's found in 1 Peter. In 1 Peter, I think it's up on the outline there. In 1 Peter where it says, we are a chosen generation. Is that what it says? I think it's up on the screen. Y'all got it? Find it? Does it say that we're a chosen generation? 
Does it say we're also a royal priesthood? Does it also talk about what we're supposed to be doing? That we are to be what? A light into darkness. See, uh, Paul understood this. We need to understand this. We are in a dark generation, but the Lord Jesus has called us to be light in a world of darkness. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this, is gonna, this is gonna blow you away. This is so deep. This is so deep. If we were to turn the lights off in this room, it'll get dark. I told you, is this getting deep? Y'all stay with me though. So we have a dark room, right? But say someone, uh, one of our deacons, comes in with a cigarette lighter. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. The, the deacons, half of them not even here. So. I'm kidding again. Y'all need to lighten up. It's Wednesday night. But they come up with just a little lighter. It'll light the whole room up. Now, you're saying, well, I don't believe that. Well, after service, you go ahead and try it. I'm telling you the truth. It just, or a candle in a dark room, one little candle will light a whole room. Won't be a bright light, but it will lighten the room. But watch this. We have all these lights on. And we can be here as long as these lights shine. And even though darkness is wanting to come in, it can't come in. See it? You, you seen the picture here? So as long as these lights are bright and shining, darkness cannot cohabitate with light. Could it be the reason why we're make, not making an impact on society as we know it, our lights are not shining brightly. And could it be it's because of our behavior? Now, I understand it's a Wednesday night. I'm not trying to beat up on anybody. I'm just saying that we have been called to be light into the world. Daniel also gives an illustration there in in Daniel chapter 12 where he talks about that we are, uh, talks about us being shining bright as the firmament. And then he goes on and talks about that because of our brightness, we we can turn someone to righteousness. Okay, now now here here we go. So here we are, we're a light. We're in a dark world because of our behavior, because of our attitudes, because of our actions. They're seeing something different about us. And so as we're going into a dark world, we're bringing light into their darkness. And they see there's something different about us. They can't quite explain it. That that brother Jim, it's, it's just something different about that dude. Can't quite understand why, but... And so they start taking notice. And then as they're uh, going through trials and tribulations... Oh, and by the way, 
uh, when they know that you're going through a similar experience that they're going through, maybe your financial situation has changed, maybe your health has changed, or whatever the case may be, and you're still shining your light for the Lord Jesus Christ. You're still able to rejoice and to have joy in your life. And they're looking at you and say, man, they must be on some good stuff. And, 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 and so they come to you and says, I just don't quite understand that. I've been watching you. And I know what's going on in your life, but you still have this joy. You have a smile on your face. Could you see, could you tell me what, what are you taking? Okay, because of the light of the Lord Jesus Christ that's illuminating from us. And they see our light, we point them to the light. Isn't that good? So as we're walking around, they're seeing something. They say, man, he's glowing and, and, and it's something different. And say, oh, what is it? He says, whoa, I'm glad. Oh, you know, I'm down. Yeah, times are rough and we can go on. And we say, I'm having some struggles. But I tell you, here's the reason why I have some joy. Here's the reason I have some peace. He says, because the light of the Lord Jesus Christ resides in me. And they said, you know what? I sure need some light in my life. And could it be the reason why we're not making impacts like that is because you have dimmed your light because of your behavior. Now, one of the things I found out is that we we can kind of key on in what we call the big sins. You know, the big sins. Like, uh, well, man, that dude murdered somebody. Man, how could somebody be so warped and what I say and so we'll, we put a lot of attention on that. But could it be the, the sins that are doing the most damage to our lights is those little sins. And there's no little sin, sin, sin. I understand that, but the illustration purpose is here. Because of your anger issue. Because of your bitterness. Because of your jealousy. Now, nobody can quite put, a t- uh, put their finger on it. But because you're not working that out and, and, and confessing that and dealing with that, you're letting your light dim. And we have a lost, dark, dying world that needs light. But then we go on and see uh, that he not only talks about that, but uh, notice he talks about his joy. And, he, and, and as he's talking about his joy, he, he says, I, I, I'm able to be joyful. Uh, why? Because uh, I look back and he says, I don't want, I don't want when, when, when my time's over, I don't want to look back and say, I wish I'd have done that. Look back and say, man, I, I should have I should have stopped and and went and talked to that clerk there in the convenience store, but I, I was just busy that day and I moved on. That's what Paul's talking. He says, I want to run, and when I'm finished and the Lord Jesus meets me at the finish line, he's gonna be able to say, Well done. Thy good and faithful servant. Now, now watch it. As we get in the race, and, and, and we're, we're coming to the finish line now, okay? So, 
as we're, as we're going through this race of faith, and we understand it's a struggle. We understand that we have opposition, okay? We understand that we're running this race, and they're the crowds that are on the sidelines are not cheering for us to be victorious, but for us to have defeat. Okay, so we got all this, and, and so we're going, and, we're, and, and they're, they're heckling us, and, and they're mocking us, and, and, and all of that, but we're still running the race, and some of us, some of us have got knees all bruised up. Some of us are limping, and if you've ever done any long-distance racing, your body starts to talk and says things like, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to continue to do that. you got Charlie horses coming up at the size of your fist. And you're saying, what's the use of this? Hey, I've run a pretty good race so far. But there's something inside you that tells you you've got to go on. And, and we understand. The Bible says even though there's the crowds that are saying, I hope you lose. I hope you don't make it. I hope you give up. There's another crowd, a great cloud of witnesses saying, it's worth it. It's worth it. Keep going. Keep going. Pick yourself up. You'll understand it. You'll understand it by and by. And I'm telling you, can you not? And I'm, I'm using my spiritual imagination forever. What's that? To, uh, here we are, and we're coming, and some of us are dragging, and some of us even may be crawling. But when we see the Lord Jesus Christ face to face as He is, we shall see Him, and we hear Him say, Welcome home. You made it. You ran the course. We're thinking, that wasn't that painful after all. That didn't hurt that much. Because what I have now pales in comparison to what I went through. So here, Paul, as he closes this section out, he says that we are to be rejoicing together. So here's what we're doing, supposed to do as the body. Brother over here, I see him, and he, he's, he's still in there. He's still, but he's, he's kind of, I mean, he's, he's kind of, oh, man, he's, he's really suffering. Here's what our job is. We're to come alongside him and say, come on, brother. I'll, I'll help you. Come on, brother. We can make it together. And then we, we under, listen, because the world is not going to do it for us. By the way, they hate us. They hated our Lord Jesus. They're going to hate us. They're not going to come to your aid. And isn't it a shame that there are churches where there's bickering and backbiting and complaining, murmuring because somebody to get their way, somebody got a little more attention than the other person did, and they've lost their brightness in a lost and dying world that's on its way to hell. Paul says this. We're in this thing together and we can not only rejoice when we get to the finish line, but we can rejoice as we run the course. Goes back. Remember when he says, here's some things you need to remember. Remember the relationship God has given you to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And remember to be thankful for those who ran before you 
and left you the footsteps to follow after. And here's what we're supposed to do. We are leaving the footsteps behind those children that are in Awana tonight, that are in that nursery tonight. They're looking to us. And we need to have our light shining because they're attracted to light. They might not explain it, don't understand why. But here's the question for us tonight. How well are we running our course? How well are we walking the path that's been set before us? How bright are we letting our light shine for the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm going back to verse number 14. Without murmurings and arguing, but understanding that we're in this thing together and we need one another. Remember, going back to what has been said already, where he talks about that love that abounded. Remember? The agape love, where we're putting others ahead of us. See how all this is tying together now? As we pull it all together, we're starting to see the big picture of what we're supposed to be doing as the body of Christ.